the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I read a quote by Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. Well, in Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the boldness, very often translated courage, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. And we are in Acts chapter 4, the New Testament book of Acts. We would love for you to turn and follow along if you could. And this is the program where we study the Word of God, and we'll be in the book of Acts. Plus, later on in the program, we will take telephone calls, and you can call in with a Bible question if you'd like to do that. We'd love to have you. But, Bert, it's good to be with you, and wouldn't it be just wonderful if people would say of each one of us that they took note that that person had been with Jesus. Uh, Boy, that'd that'd be a compliment, wouldn't it? That is the greatest compliment, and... When I was thinking about this, Alex, what characteristics do these men display in order for those who are observing them are saying this? Uh, We find out that there's courage, yes, but before there was courage, there was power. Uh, You know, they, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. There is humility in the name of Jesus. They didn't claim it in their own power. Uh, those are at least three characteristics that we can have in our lives. You say power, yes, prayer power, living power by faith. Now, we don't know what wonders and signs may be done or not done, but there's power in that, Alex. And so these characteristics, they took note that they had been with Jesus. I, I would declare to us that ought to be a goal in our lives, that people would recognize Amen. that. Well, you know, if you look at the word there, uh, often akin to courage it is confidence and assurance and really liberty, uh, not cockiness or arrogance, not, not at all. But I want to tell you, when you know the word of God and you know who you are in Christ, there is such liberty in that, that uh, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hold back. Uh, We can speak the truth of God's Word, not not just, quote, spout off our own opinion, but we can confidently, effectively share what truth is. There is a lot of confidence when you're in Christ and you understand your identity in Jesus and you understand His Word and God's revealed truth. Amen. Now, the untrained, in in the New King James, it says uneducated and untrained, and that is an accurate, uh, you know, translation of those words. Now, untrained and and unlearned in what area? They had not been under the feet of Gamaliel like the Apostle Paul would have been. They had not been to uh, the great uh, teachers of that day that they recognized and that's where they were coming from. But they were trained and they were educated under the power of Jesus Christ and now through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And mm-hmm. so that's another reason that I took, I think they took note that they had been with Jesus because there's always asking, from what authority do you do this? Uh, who gives you the right to do this? So they had been three years walking with Christ, and so they had been equipped to do what they were about to do. Jesus had told them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to do even greater things. And now it is happening, Alex. It is happening. What Jesus prophesied of these men is coming true. And verse 14 goes along with that. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, I love this next line, they could not say anything against it. (laughs) The proof was there. And isn't it great that this man who was healed stood with them? Now, again, I don't don't want to make more than it was, but he wasn't. He didn't run away. He wasn't threatened by the Sanhedrin who had wished he would depart. No, he stayed there. And uh, so this is a powerful witness and a powerful tool uh, in, in the arsenal of the Christian. Look what good works. They'll know that you're my disciples because what? You love one another. And so there's a lot of characteristics here that, that demonstrate that they had been with Jesus. Well, listen to this. This is just so beautiful. Uh, it, it says they could say nothing against it in verse 14. Verse 15 of Acts chapter 4, when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. L- let me just say this. When it comes to Jesus and the truth of the gospel, I mean, if, if it's undeniable, well, that must mean it's true. <laughs> and if you can't deny it, then why not believe it? Uh, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Bert, the, the religious world, the political world, the academic world, the, the secular world that wants to be its own God, They've always had a problem with Jesus, haven't they? They have, and they continue to, and they will. And it's because of authority. It's just why Darwinian evolution is accepted by so many people. It's not because of all the scientific evidences they try to make it. Uh, The only way they can try to prove their point is to go so far back in time that you cannot follow it, you know, and claim it's happened millions of years ago. And so here again, deny truth. Why do people deny truth? Here's what you're going to do. You're either going to confirm it or you're going to deny it. And Mm -hmm. yes, truth is denied every day by people. I see it all the time. You hear it all the time as well. And so here they're denying truth. Truth has confronted them. And, and they reject it. It's just like sin. What are you going to do, confess it or justify it? Alex, you know, those are the two things that, that we deal with. With sin, if we're going to look at it squarely, we'll say, I have sinned, and I've come short of what God demands. I'm coming to God. But those that justify it and say, I believe I can make it on my way. Uh, that's the way I was born. This is, uh, this is acceptable in our society today. So the whole aspect here is dealing with truth, which deals with sin. 
and truth will set us free. And if you're listening today and you haven't been set free from your sin, come to Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you come to him by faith. You ask him to Give, you ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sin. Ask him to come in and change your life, and you say, Lord, I'm yours now and forever. Alex, uh, here are these men, these men, uh, uh, John and Peter and this man who had been healed. They're standing firm, and they're standing on solid ground, aren't they? They really are. Hey, I'm going to read you a quote, and we're in Acts chapter 4. We're talking about how the religious leaders were opposing the undeniable work of God. Um, Bert, I really honestly do believe that atheism and secularism boils down to the fact that they don't want to have to answer to God. I agree. There's a a New York uh, University professor. He's retired now, but his name is Thomas Nagel. Uh, N-A-G-E-L, and he's very influential. He's an atheist. Uh, But he said this, and listen to this quote, because this speaks to where so many in the establishment are today, academics and certainly liberal politics. But Thomas Nagel said, quote, I want atheism to be true, and I am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God, and naturally I hope I'm right. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that, end of quote. Well, to such a sentiment by Thomas Nagel and anybody else, you know, the the universe doesn't operate by what we hope or wish. Reality is what it has been revealed to be. And friend, the evidence is compelling that there is a God. We are accountable to God. That's written on every heart. We know that. And just trying to push it out of your mind or just vehemently saying, no, I don't want things that way. Listen, the wisest thing you can ever do, the the most intelligent, most important, wisest thing you'll ever do is to admit that there's a God, admit that we're accountable to God, ask forgiveness for our sins, place our faith in his son Jesus, and be born again. And, and Bert, let me just say this, and then I'll throw it back to you. We'll get in Acts 4 again. But to surrender to Jesus is the most empowering thing you could ever do. I mean, people think, oh, I call the shots. I don't answer to God. Let me say, the, the least powerful you ever are, the most enslaved you ever are, is when you're running from God and you're bound by sin. The most empowering thing you'll ever do and the freest you'll ever be is when you throw yourself in the arms of a merciful God and surrender to the Savior. Well said. And honestly, come into this God who is the Creator, who is the Redeemer. Those are His two great acts and their attributes. He's created us and he's created us with purpose. He redeems us with purpose. And so the whole idea here that there would be no God, it's because they do not know him. Yes, is God a big God? Is he a God who judges? Yes, but he's a God who demonstrates mercy before judgment. He gives mercy before that. He desires that all men would come unto him and Honestly, Alex, you was talking about this liberty. This 
relationship with Christ of becoming, he, he becoming your Savior, you becoming his servant, if you want to call it. And matter of fact, he said, you're no longer servants. When you come in like you've come, you're my friends. And he sets us at liberty to do what? To be and fulfill the purpose he has for us. There's real freedom in fulfilling your purpose. There's bondage mm. in not doing that. And so listen to verse 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, the name is authority. If, if someone, if you're in a crowd and someone says, hey, you, well, they could, if it was a crowd of 20 people, all 20 people would that turn be around. Anybody. Yeah. But if I know your name and I say, hey, Alex McFarlane, you turn around. Guess what? Because I know your name, it gives me some, quote, authority. And in the name of Jesus, we have authority. We can call upon the name of Jesus. He knows our name. And in that name, not just, it's not magic formula. It's not abracadabra. No, it's the authority and power of Christ. In that name is authority, and in that name is Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Alex, that is powerful. You can, they recognized they recognized this, but they wanted it to put to a stop. They recognized the power, the authority, but they wanted to stamp it out because guess what? It'd do away with their authority. Well, like so often, uh, they're going to defend themselves with Scripture. And they're going to quote Psalm 2 and some other Old Testament scriptures. But folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. Brand new week of being in the book of Acts, plus your Bible questions. So stay tuned. You know, you can archive this show or forward it at AFR.net. Stay tuned. We're back after this. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Stephen Naley, Acting Administrator of the U.S. Energy Information Administration. His office is the nation's premier source of energy information in our country. Proverbs 2.10 reminds us of the importance of knowledge. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Stephen Naley in his work at the EIA. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Sometimes kindness is hardest with the people who are closest. Dr. Tony Evans says that's why men have to take extra care at home to watch not only what they do, but what they say. He takes us to Ephesians 4.31 as we spend two minutes with Tony. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Bitterness has to do with internal hostility that harbors ill will. It becomes a smoldering thing within you. It grows up and becomes wrath. Now, wrath is anger expressed. And then when you blow up, it becomes clamor. Clamor means brawl. And when you clamor, it becomes malice and slander. And slander is when you put somebody else down in the face of others. Putrid words grieves the spirit. 
And a grieved Holy Spirit is like corrosion around a battery. When your battery gets corroded, you don't have access to the power. The Holy Spirit is the power of the Christian life. And if you use putrid language, unwholesome words, don't be surprised that you have no power in your spiritual life. Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. It saddens him. So if you've been using this kind of language with your mate, you owe them an apology. If you've been using this kind of language with your children, you owe them an apology. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God is in Christ forgave you. Be gracious enough to wipe the mental slate clean. Learn more about the strength, commitment, and sacrifice it takes to be the kind of man a woman would want to submit to. It's all spelled out in Dr. Evans' bestseller, Kingdom Man. Copies are available at TonyEvans.org, along with study guides, leader's guides, and everything you need to promote God's view of manhood in your home or church. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. This is Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex with you. We're in Acts chapter 4, and at, you know, what we're going over today, you see so many verses, classic verses, that we say quite a bit. Just let me give you a little bit of those. In verse 12, it says, there is salvation, there, nor is there salvation in the other, other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, they perceived that they were unlearned and uneducated men, and they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And now in 19 and 20, Peter and John answered and said to them, after they said, don't you teach anymore in Jesus' name, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Alex this, this chapter is just so filled with verses like this that, to, I'll, I'll be very frank, they empower me, they encourage me, they challenge me. And, and they're just verses right here. When does it happen? When they're being confronted, when they're being uh, challenged, when they're being uh, to the point of, of saying you're going to lose your authority, even, but they stand strong. That I think we get a lot of courage here in chapter four. Well, we we really do. We really do. And in a way, I've always thought that verse 16, um, you know, is kind of like, um, no, I'm sorry, not verse 16. Um, When it says in verse 19, Peter and John answered, said, whether it be right in the sight of God to listen unto you more than God, you judge. In a way, in other words, they're saying, look, We've got a call from God, and we know we're being threatened by you, but we've got to obey God, and if you think that's wrong, 
you know, you, you settle that in your own mind. It's like in the Declaration of Independence that says appealing to God for the rectitude of our intentions. You know, in other words, if we're in the wrong, we're willing to answer to God about this. Uh, Acts 4.19. And then he goes on and he says, you know, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, if you've experienced Jesus, you just can't keep quiet about it. And they further threatened them. They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Well, being let go, they went to their own company. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God who has made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, and here's Psalm chapter 2, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? This is Psalm 2 verse 1. All right, the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus and really the birth of the church and the, the saving message to the Gentiles and the furtherance of God's kingdom, all of this is fulfillment of prophecy, isn't it? And the kings of the earth standing up against God. That's Psalm 2.2. Bert, you and I to this day are a part of a, of a fulfillment of prophecy that the message of salvation would go out to the ends of the earth and all people everywhere would have the opportunity to be born again. We're part of God's greatest work within the human race, aren't we? We are. And notice what they do. They go back to the people who they've talked with and to share with them and their prayer for boldness. But when you look at verses 19 and 20, this is a fulfillment of, of what Jesus told them in Acts 1.8. You shall be witnesses. And they say, we can't help but share with you what we have seen and heard. Jesus says, you have witnessed what I've done. You've witnessed what I've said. You've heard what I've said. And now it is time for you to share it. And they're sharing that. And they're saying, we cannot help but speak of those things. We cannot help but share those things. And here they go back. And as they said, they were let go of their companions. And they shared that, uh, you know. And, And Alex, we need to be that. We need to understand we're witnesses of what God has said to our lives, what he has done in our lives. And we're witnesses of that. And it's backed up with what? Actions and attitudes. Those two mm-hmm. things, our words and our actions, they will they will multiply into people's lives when they see the credibility. These men have the credibility of having been with Jesus. They took note that they'd been Jesus. It gave them credibility with the people. It really gave them credibility with their enemy, even though the enemy wanted to still shut them up. They could not hmm. deny it, could they? They really couldn't. They really couldn't. And uh, more important than the religious elites, there was really the sentiment of the people. Um, I, I want to say this just very briefly, and we're sort of wrapping up Acts chapter 4 here. Bert, last week I was on a show, and I was um, asked to uh, comment on something going on regarding well, the world's denial of truth, and I'm not going to get into it, but it's basically some academics that 
They deny God. They deny truth. They deny morality. You know, typical stuff that liberal progressives do. Um, but as is so often the case, there there is philosophy. All right, your worldview. If you listen to Exploring the Word, friends, you're getting a biblical worldview. We believe the Bible. God is the author. Content is very clear about salvation, and we're, we're setting forth the biblical worldview. Well, right now, the, the classrooms of America, certainly the universities, they've got worldviews that are very unbiblical, largely, unless you go to a solidly Christian school. But see, here's the reason why this matters. What you believe about God, what you believe about morality, what you believe about truth and right and wrong and religious freedom and just liberty in general and our Constitution and the rule of law, See, all of the, these things matter, and they really have a domino effect. Now, in the case of Peter and John here with the religious leaders, you know, imagine the religious leaders of that day. They kind of were a combination of the authority of the academics and the political leaders rolled into one. And while the uh, religious authorities were against God and the gospel, the people couldn't deny it. Uh, the crowds, they marveled. And I, I think, it, it like nowadays, Bert, what we're going to have to do in our country is um, the masses of people still do believe in God. Many millions of Americans do have a relationship with Jesus. Now, there are a tiny minority that are controlling things. The tail is wagging the dog, you might say. But moms and dads, you need to send your kids to a Christian college where your faith will be affirmed, not dismantled. We're going to have to get out there and vote, and we're going to have to make our voice heard, and maybe even, like the guest I had on Focal Point, run for office. But, Bert, I I think the elites have always, because of their rejection of authority and certainly the rejection of God, that the elites don't want to acknowledge Christ or His Lordship but I think deep in their heart, everybody knows, and we're going to have to here in America, just like Peter and John had boldness and obedience, we're going to have to be bold, and we're going to have to be obedient and be empowered by the Spirit of God to make a difference for truth, just like they did in that day. Alex, when you, when you say that, you understand that here these men that we're referring to they were standing up against the political and educated people of that day. That's yep. exactly, you're exactly right, and they stood strong. And I, my dad always told me growing up, he said, son, the biggest fools I ever met are the educated fools. I and know. and, and yeah. I, the older I get, the more I feel like that is so true. If you're foolish and your heart is wrong, education doesn't help it it just puts it greater in greater depth and for truly against you verse 27 your holy servant jesus whom you anoint anointed both herod pontius pilate with the gentiles and the people of israel were gathered together <laughs> he puts them all together he doesn't he doesn't have a blame game except everybody not just the jews not just the romans not you know Gentiles, no, it was all of them, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, 
look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now, here's what they're praying for. Get get a hold of this. They're praying for the exact thing that got them into trouble in the first place. They said, Lord, give Isn't us more boldness. Give us more courage. Give us more signs and wonders. Lord, give us more of you. So, you know, and, and what, what are they going to do? Notice this. I just got to complete verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Alex, praise the Lord. God answered their prayer with courage, but the place was shaken. Um, I, I just get me what I'm saying. We need to be shaken. The church in 2021 needs to be shaken at the very core, because what we're what many are doing, as you said. They're taking the educational thoughts. They're taking those. And I don't know. It's because these men weren't threatened. They wasn't going to buy into what they were selling. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. I am saying Mm -hmm. this, and I believe it. If we spend time in his word, spend time with Christ in prayer, in worship, accountability, I want to tell you, I believe that we can stand in difficult days. Amen. Oh, I, I agree. I, I really do. And like you said, it's so noteworthy that what got them into trouble, they, they prayed for more of it, you know, boldness. They didn't shrink back and say, well, you know what? I'm going to, I better quit. You know, let, let me say this. If you go, um, if you go on mission for God, there's going to be trouble. Sometimes there's going to be stresses. Keep on keeping on because there's blessing in obedience. And I, I love how it says that, you know, the place was shaken. And uh, uh, Vance Havner said, you know, many people are shaky about what they believe. Few people are shaken yeah. by what they believe. But let me tell you, if we were to obey Jesus, the world could be shaken, you know? They did. Um, and notice what they did. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, this I can't help but compare that on the day of Pentecost when they spoke mm-hmm. and they shared with Jesus and everybody heard them in their own language, here again, the power of the Holy Spirit, still in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's spokenness and the, and it's truth and it's understood. And here they spake that word, they shared that word, and they were in one accord. Notice verse 32, and I'm, I know you want to go back to 31, but now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. What a yes. statement. Uh, one accord. Have you noticed how much that was true all the way through uh, all the way through chapter four? Well, and, and let me comment on 32 through 37 of Acts chapter four that um, just to point out that this does not does not teach that the early church practiced, socialism. The reason I say this, this might sound like it's kind of out of left field, says uh, they were one accord, and neither of them said that any of the things which he possessed was his own. They had all things in common, and the resurrection of the Lord is proclaimed by the apostles, and nobody lacked anything, verse 34, 
And they laid everything down at the apostles' feet, and people were given as they had need. Okay, let me say this. They were definitely sharing things. They were definitely, as the body of Christ so often does, providing for each other. But look, folks, this was not communism or socialism. As some people say, um, for one thing, communism, socialism, Marxism depends on the government. This is not the government. This is the body of Christ. Socialism is inherently atheistic and secular. This is definitely not atheism. This is the Spirit-empowered Church of the Living God. Understand this, it was completely voluntary. In Marxism, it's coercive, not voluntary. Also, people gave as they had needs, but people still worked, whereas, you know, socialism basically just distributes to everybody by virtue of the fact that they're a slave under the government system. And I will say this, then we'll move on. Um, it would be really 1,700 years plus before Karl Marx would exist and envision the godless, tragically dark system yep. called socialism. So this, in no way could it legitimately be construed that the early church was practicing socialism. Some try to say that, but it's absolutely yep. false. Right on. Now listen, this is Satan. This is Satan that brings about communism trying to mimic what was done by God by man. Yes. You catch communism is oh, from know. the very pit of hell. And I'll say that truthfully because it's trying to mimic that which God did and and so it was it was coming from the giver, not the taker. You know? Uh, well, you, you the know demand what? was not made. You know, like you said it's volunteer. But real quick, we gotta go. But Barnabas is introduced and what a man yes. he is and what an example he is. And he we're gonna hear from him more. Hey, we're gonna take phone Amen. calls. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. Give us a call. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? Can it, hurt? it hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts all of us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Over the last year, grocery stores, churches, airlines, and more have incessantly sprayed, disinfected, and wiped down surfaces. It was recommended and even mandated by the CDC. Until April 5th. That's the day the CDC stealthily changed its website to include a discreet hyperlinked note saying, in most situations, the risk of infection from touching a surface is low. 
Click on the hyperlink and you'll learn. Studies suggest that the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection via contact with the contaminated surface has less than a 1 in 10,000 chance of causing an infection. Thanks, CDC. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In May of 2020, after nearly a decade-long hiatus, U.S. astronauts blasted into outer space once again. As I watched the broadcast, the commentator said this, With all the turmoil in the world, it renews my hope to see that rocket going into space. But you know, our greatest hope doesn't come from us reaching up into heaven. Our greatest hope comes from heaven reaching down to us. God came down to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' life, His death on the cross, and His resurrection from the grave give us an eternal hope that will never, ever diminish. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still alone. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We have some lines open and that number, 888-589-8840. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. But, Alex, I know you're not in North Carolina. Where are you, man? Well, I am in Silverton, Texas, right outside of Lubbock, Texas. Uh, First Baptist Silverton, Pastor uh, Gary Walton, wonderful church. We're just having a real good time. Folks, the services are at 7 o'clock. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so tonight through Wednesday. And, Bert, tomorrow I'm going to be at the courthouse uh, right here. I think it's Briscoe County, and um, at 12 noon I'm going to be speaking at the courthouse, and uh, I look forward to people coming out for that. We're going to have open Q&A, just, just like we're fixing to do right now on Exploring the Word. But, of course, First Baptist Silverton, and, uh, you know, we're right outside of Lubbock, and uh, by the way, I just want to say how much I appreciate everybody's enthusiasm. Yesterday, we met people that uh, some drove more than an hour to come to the service last night, and they, they listened to Exploring the Word. And we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We truly are. So, Bert, um, how about yourself? Did you preach somewhere this weekend? No, but I was teaching a Sunday school class over in Hillcrest Baptist Church, and and. Uh, so I was excited about that. My wife and I, we were asked, we had some Sundays off and asked to start a new uh, married couples class. And, and Jan and I have enjoyed that beyond measure. And it's been great. And praise just, it, it is. And so praise the Lord. Hey, we got people ready to ask questions. So we're going to get to the phone lines and do it immediately. And the first place we're going to go is to Virginia and talk to Mark. Mark, welcome. Uh, good afternoon, guys. How are you all today? It is a wonderful day. Doing good. Nice, How about you? Nice to hear from you. Good. Well, I really appreciate everything that you all do and just get a whole lot out of listening to you guys give your uh, explanations of the Bible. So thank you so much for that. 
Thank you. Uh, the reason I'm calling today is I've got a nephew that's graduating from high school this year. He's 18, and um, he doesn't read an awful lot, and he doesn't have a whole lot of church background. But my wife and I are looking to get him a Bible for graduation and wondering if you all might have a recommendation on a version of the Bible that would be appropriate for somebody in that category. Go ahead, Alex. You go first. Well, you know, uh, here lately we have been very keen on this one called the Filament Bible that you can buy. It was published by uh, Tyndale Publishers, but it comes with uh, login information to a lot of online resources. And, Bert, I think you and I have got just a lot of feedback from people who said that they thought that Filament Study Bible was just really, really helpful and you, you can find it most anywhere. And let me just say, if you have a chance to patronize a local Christian bookseller, uh, we encourage you to do that. Hopefully, there's a Christian bookstore in your town. And if there isn't, I mean, you can get Bibles and books online, of course. But if you have a chance, most Christian bookstores are owned by local you know, people. But the Filament Bible, the, the other thing I would recommend, and it was my joy to help in the writing of these notes, but the Apologetics Study Bible for Students. Yes. The Apologetics Study Bible for Students, which has a lot of helpful things about defending the faith. And uh, let me just encourage you uh, in your sowing the Word of God into this young man's life. I think that's a wonderful thing, and God will bless that. Mark, the, the Filament Bible, the translation, is the New Living Translation. And uh, I've been reading through it and looking at it. it is, it's, got, it's excellent. Uh, again, it's got great. And then another version is the ESV, English Standard Version. And those are understandable. And, and they're, uh, they're good translations with, you know, they, uh, I think they can be understood but the two that Alex was talking about are study Bibles. With his, uh, that uh, apologetic studies Bible would be fantastic because either one of them would give them equipment. When he asks questions, uh, there's some answers there that he can follow through on the filament Bible to find them. So we're going to be praying that he receives this and it'll do him well. Thank you so much, Martin. God bless you. Next, we're going to go to Mississippi and talk to Cody. Cody, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing good today. How about you? I'm doing wonderful, sir. Uh, you know, I first want to thank you guys for uh, letting me come on and for doing what you do. Um, you know, you keep us uh, informed of truth, and, uh, you know, it's hard to find that nowadays. So greatly appreciative of that. I uh, I just wanted to give God some praise and, and give him all the glory and a brief little summary of, of my testimony. But, you know, before that, if it weren't for this and him opening doorways, I would be probably one of the mob and the people destroying our cities and, and trying to undermine, uh, you know, uh, biblical system that we have in place and destroy the police and so forth. But because of uh, the doorways he's opened, I went to John 316 Ministries and uh, Charlotte, Arkansas. It's completely free. It's a spiritual boot camp for men in addiction. It's six months to a year. Um, didn't cost me a dollar. You get your own room, bed, TV, all that. And more importantly, I, I got to know Jesus. And I've been three Amen. years uh, sober now. I'm no longer on the run from the police. And all these wonderful things. And, and now I'm, I'm soon to uh, go to the mission field and, and spend my life uh, glorifying <laughs> God and, and, and sharing the good news. So, Hallelujah. Hey, they're looking Praise for signs and wonders. 
Cody, you're a sign and you're a wonder of God's mercy and grace. And I want to share this. This morning in devotion here at AFR, we had a testimony about John 316 Ministries there in Arkansas saying the same thing that Cody said, that the power of God to deliver that accountability, they take out, but they a lot of these places, they don't put things in that's eternal. Uh, they can get them sober, but they don't put in things that keep them right and put them on mission for God. So, Cody, praise the Lord for that. Alex, that's a testimony. Well, we rejoice with you, brother. Praise God, and may just may the Lord grant that millions more experience a life change like you have. Amen. We pray for Cody. Write his name down and pray for him. Uh, Lord, take him and use him. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited about Hey, Cody, uh, give us a call back. And when you know some more about where you're going, what you're doing, give us a call back. We want to report. I do Amen. anyway, and I think all of our listeners would. Thank you, brother. Let's go to stay in Mississippi and go to Praise Matt. God. Yeah. Matt, welcome. Hey, Brother Bert, uh, Brother Alex. Appreciate all y'all do. Uh, American Family Radio, I try to catch y'all every evening while I'm out uh, cleaning swimming pools. Woo! Amen. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Amen. Yeah. Brother Bert, you preached a revival for me a few years ago at Hopewell Baptist Church over in the Dorsey community. Yes, sir. You remember that? I do. I do. Listen, folks. I know you're... Yeah. You're I love those revivals, and that Alex does as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, your father was a uh, Baptist missionary preacher, wasn't he? Well, it was my uncle. Now, my your dad uncle. preached okay. to my dad could preach to me, Matt, real good. But it was my <laughs> uncle. I want to I want to take this a minute. My uncle, it was Uncle Buford Harper, and he was a godly, godly man. And just I go around here in Northeast Mississippi, Alex. And they'll find out a Harper, and they say, "Well, I knew a Pastor Harper Buford." I say, "That's my uncle." And wow. uh, isn't it Amen. good to what have a legacy. a legacy like that, Matt? God thank you, brother. You. you got a question or a comment? But thank you for that. Yeah, uh, I've got a, I've got a question. There's a, there's a preacher. I, I wouldn't say he's a friend. But he's an acquaintance. Uh, that that uh, kind of believes that there's a separation of the powers in God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I know the answer. Um, is there a separation of powers between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I just want to share this about the Trinity, the triune God. He is one, according to Deuteronomy, and we see him in three persons. And separation of power, no, Jesus said, I do nothing apart from my Father. And the Holy Spirit came, and he make much of Jesus. I don't think you separate those powers, Alex. No. Uh, you remember John 5, 17? Th this is one of the great verses about the Trinity. In John 5, 17, Jesus said, My Father is always working, and so am I. Uh, some translations will say, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Um, one of the core truths of the Trinity Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, equal in power, absolutely undivided unity, and yet three persons. Uh, and so um, any, any assumptions 
that mitigate against the unity within the Trinity. Bert, I have to respectfully say I don't think that's biblical. I agree with you. And and what you do, this is just the truth. Things that are beyond us, our thoughts, our ways, his thoughts and his ways are far beyond ours. What we want to do, we want to bring God down to our understanding. That that's that's so exactly, we just can't do it. And we cannot do it. It is beyond us and to understand the fullness and completeness of the Holy Spirit, the the Father, the Son together in the Trinity is above us. And and we can do our best to say, oh, it's like this or like that. It's still beyond us. His sovereignty and his knowledge, and yet the free will of man, the accountability of man, I, I, you know, you lean one way or the other, again, it's beyond us some. We, you know, Alex, I, that does not make me regress from God. It pulls me into God. Uh, for, for me to have a God that I could fully and completely understand. Now, I know enough about him. We know enough about him that we can know him because he and, first And have loved. assurance. He, we sure can. But to completely do it, uh, and I, I, I feel like the Trinity is one of those. We got some, but not all. Yeah, well, well said. Um, it, you know, it's beyond reason, but it's not unreasonable said one scholar. Hey, 888 The next question, Bert, where should we go We're next? We're going to Louisiana and talk to Monty. Monty, welcome to Exploring hey. the Word. I, hey, how you doing? Doing well today. Oh, great. I, I love listening to y'all. Uh, I just have a question. Why, years ago, people, whenever they wanted to talk to God, they, they surrounded his, his temple and, and and they and God came down in the cloud and and talked. Talk. Why can't we, as a people, our church leaders, uh, get our people to go to the Supreme Court and surround the Supreme Court and pray that that these these horrible things like uh, abortion and uh, uh, the others that 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 are, are plaguing our country? Because I heard Dr. Jeffrey say that that. America's going to be no more pretty soon because of these reasons. So I'm I'm wondering if there's a way to to get our church leaders to get a lot of people to go to the Supreme Court. Thank you, Monty. Alex, when I read Acts 1 through 4, especially chapter 4, when it says they were in one accord, they were in one mind, there's power. They did signs and wonders. Why is the church so anemic? And, Monty, this is a reason why, is because we're not in one accord. The supremacy of the Scriptures is not taught. The exclusivity of Jesus Christ is not believed and preached. And so we're so divided in that. But those of us who agree upon Christ and follow him, uh, I don't know if we could even get into the Capitol these days the way they're guarding it up there, the Capitol and Supreme Court. But we can pray, and that's what we need to do, don't we? Well, absolutely. And just as there is such power in unity, let me say there is weakness in division. 
Now, I know there are differences in theology. I, I know that. But look, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our sins and rose from the dead, if you believe the Bible is God's Word, and if you care about this country, listen, we, we've got work to do together. We can pray together. We can unify. And yes, we can make our voice heard. And, you know, Bert, at least to this moment, there still is the ballot box. There is recourse. And um, I, I agree with Dr. Jeffers. I've known him 20 years. And uh, there are a lot of, lot of great leaders and thinkers. Um, and a lot of people warn us that the, t- the window seems to be closing for the, the remnant of God's believers to make their voice heard and be an influence in the country. Uh, we need, I mean, we need a revival and unity within the church, unity of voice, unity of vote, and unity within intercession and prayer. We've got, got to have it, don't we? We are, and we're going to pray right now. Monty, you're not, you're, your request is not unheard but we don't have to gather around the Supreme Court. We gather together around the throne of God, which is higher than the Supreme Court. Father, in your name, we come to you asking you to do a work in your people. You tell us if your people who are called by your name, and that's true with any generation, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and seek you and pray that you'll hear us and then you'll respond to us. And, Father, we're praying that we're confessing our sin as a nation, abortion, the idea of, of identity, of not knowing who you've made us to be, of, of discrediting marriage and going in so many directions, of selling baby parts and the government buying them. Oh, God, deliver us, convict us, and may we as a church stand strong in your power and your might And may we lift up the name of Jesus at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Monty. Alex, we'll be in chapter 5 tomorrow. We're going to find out. A very famous passage, Acts chapter 5 tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to meet Ananias and Sapphira. But, man, it's going to be a bad departure. Sobering, yes. It is. Hey, go ahead, Alex. Take us out. Well, yeah, I was going to say thanks, everybody, for listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Go to AFR.net to listen again or to share the link. Tell somebody about American Family Radio. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.